0: I'm so excited to be up here today. It's not often that we get to introduce our daughter these days. She lives a long way away, and it's just lovely as parents to know that she's going to be sharing with you what's on her heart. And I'm going to start by reading uh, the Bible passage for today from Luke 8 that Michaela, I think, will be mentioning later on. Yep. So they arrived in the land of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him, homeless and naked. He had lived in a cemetery for a long time. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell to the ground before him, screaming, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was shackled with chains, he simply broke them and and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. "'What is your name?' Jesus asked. "'Legion,' he replied, for the man was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside nearby, And the demons pleaded with him to let them enter into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. So the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake where they drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, for they wanted to see for themselves what had happened. And they saw the man who had been possessed by demons, sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, clothed and sane, and the whole crowd was afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in that region begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too, but Jesus said, No, go back to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So he went all through the city, telling about the great things Jesus had done for him.
1: Wow. That's a story. I don't know if I was the guest speaker, whether that would be one I would be choosing, but I'm looking forward to hearing how our guest does today. Uh, It's a great privilege to me to... uh introduce to you uh, someone who was there at our very first service as a four-year-old in the hum- our humble beginnings at the Regal Theatre. Mm. She was around the age of four and running around and causing as much trouble as her own son this morning. Uh, but uh, yeah, our daughter Ka- M- Michaela or Kay uh, ha- travelled with New Vine throughout almost all of her childhood, um, was a missionary to our kids club she was co-opted into running our kids club with uh, mum and dad, um, got very involved uh, in our church plant at H2O as a, as a teenager and, and sort of learnt some of the skills of worship leading uh, in our church plant there uh, and then over the last half dozen years or so uh, we've been supporting Michaela and her husband John Hodge, not Cole, she's moved on Jill, it was, it was nice to hear Kay Cole though. Um, We've been supporting uh, John and Kay as key uh, partners for us in our local ministry. So about five years ago, uh, they moved uh, to Nigeria, uh, where they've been living most of that last uh, five years. Uh, had a little, uh, a little sojourn in uh, England, where little, little Aby was born then went back to Nigeria, continued their work there. And, and Nora, you might have seen Nora running around, was born uh, in Nigeria uh, and and during COVID have relocated again back to the UK, but continuing their work. So we're really excited to have her visiting with us. She's actually just managed to get this visit in at the tail end of her time. So she, she actually leaves with the family to go back and see uh, John after eight weeks, middle of this week. So uh, welcome, Kay. Thank you. Put your hands together for Thank her.
2: Thank you, everyone.
1: I thought we, um, I thought we could do a little intro question just for you to warm up. Kay, um, when you think back about it, times that were really influential for you in growing your faith, um, as, a, as maybe a kid in primary school, can, the thing comes to mind.
2: Well, I really appreciated that New Vine is a very kid and family-oriented church. So. Taking kids on the journey of faith from a very young age is very core to the values of New Vine, and I still see that here this morning after so many years. Uh, and missions has always been core to New Vine. That I love the words at the back of the church, go, give, pray. And I think from a young age, those things were really sown uh, into my life, and I was so blessed to actually benefit from them. My dad, it was a, a trip that we went on with the Love for Kids Russia um, team, when I was about 10 or 11, there were a group, uh, I, don't know, I think Amy Thorpe was on, the, was on the trip, I think a couple of other people, I think Zach the Barrett. Barrett, I think. Zach, was you there. were on the trip, yeah. Um, and that was really, that was really, that spoke into my life a Actually, lot. Actually,
1: I was really happy because Zach's mum, Penny, got to take you into the girls' toilet in Russia. Oh, she to, was, to do the. she was yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to go in there, it was scary. <laughs>
2: That's one of my most embarrassing stories, Dad.
1: <laughs> oh, get it out there.
2: Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about it. You can ask me afterwards if you want to know the details. Um, so Love
1: for Kids Russia, the trip to St Petersburg. Russia. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking yeah. in this last little season, you know, we met some beautiful kids there that could actually be engaged in a terrible, horrible war at the yes. moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but, you, you know, you never know what, where direction lives are going to go. But that really, that cross-cultural experience sowed something in.
2: Yeah, particularly there were... We went and served with a, an, like, a kids' camp, a summer kids' camp. It's quite common in... Russian summer um, periods for kids to go away for the summer holidays and the camp that we went to also had a number of um, like a proportion of the children were orphans and I just remember like being so struck by those children the same age as me um, just having completely different prospects of their futures and their life just looking completely different to mine up to that point and like just something in their eyes sometimes that was just sad, like a real loss in their eyes. And I remember that really, that really challenged my heart as a 10-year-old, mm. you know, a 9, 10, 11-year-old.
1: Yeah. yeah, I remember the ethos of Love for Kids Russia as a missionary going into that kid's environment was just to ask God to show you one child to take special interest in. And through that child, the doorway to breaking into a group of children with the love of Jesus, which was a really mm. precious um, thing. Okay, we wind the clock forward from childhood to the, yep. the messy teens. Is there something that stands out for you in your development uh, as a teenager where God did something amazing?
2: Yes. I, um, in my mid-teens, about 50, 14, 15, I sponsored a child with compassion with a friend of mine at one of the Unleashed conferences, the youth conferences that... Do they still run in Newcastle? I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah, we we made the commitment together that we didn't have enough for one to sponsor one child, but we could share it um, with the part-time work that we each had at that time. And um, I don't remember how it happened, but there was a competition that was being run uh, that was trying, the Unleashed conference was trying to find a young person that they would take over, like sponsor their trip and take over to meet their their child, their compassion child, so that they, it could be something that they could show at the next conference as a way to encourage young people to engage with giving and missions. And I don't know what I wrote down there, but I happened to be the the, the youth that was chosen to go to Indonesia, where my, my compassion child was. Um, and I met her, and that was just another really shaping experience for me in missions. Um, and it really, I came back and I just had a lot more direction for where I felt that God wanted me to head in life and it gave me the focus that I needed to head like to do my to finish my school
0: <laughs> to
2: put effort as a hunter christian I think I went into hunter christian then and to finish my hsc and head towards this as a, as a long-term calling
1: yeah. yeah well great we're so proud of you so such a thrill for me personally as a dad but us as a church to continue to support you guys John and Kay met just behind where Pip is yeah. At the missions table of her parents. <laughs> Father God, I do just want to pray for Kay that um, as, as she takes this next little while to share some of the things that are on her heart, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do a number on us. Lord, we learned learn some stuff that would uh, change our thinking, but Lord, we also ask that uh, what, what your Spirit wants to say into us would really shape our heart. Lord, we just ask that your words in her mouth, we pray in Jesus' name. Enjoy, sweetie.
2: Amen. Thanks, Dad. Great. Well, thanks everyone for having me today. It's so special being able to come back to the church that I grew up in and, and share some of the journey that the Lord's had us on. If we've not met before, I do know lots of familiar faces. Hey Livos, welcome. <laughs> lots of familiar faces out there um, that you know were really important relationships to me growing up, but there's a lot of new faces here as well. If we've not met before, my husband John and I, we have in the last couple of years, started a ministry called Seek Peace. As you can tell, I, um, I'm a Novocastrian born and bred. My first car ride was across town from the John Hunter to Maryville, where mum and dad were living. Um, and my, I've, grown, I've, I've been blessed to grow up in, uh, under you know, pastor, pastoring parents. My mum's also a missionary. She worked with um, OM. For many years or for a couple of years served with OM which was the doulos ship uh, and John's parents who you all probably know from Glocal are Kent and Ruth Hodge who have been serving as missionaries in Nigeria for more than 35 plus years um, at this point point. Uh, and they head up an amazing ministry called CFM who we still are blessed to partner with today in our work. Well, today I'm going to take some time to share with you the vision that God has given and put into our hearts for Seek Peace, and also how we got here. Uh, My prayer is that it would encourage you also to dig into what God is leading you into uh, and to build hope and anticipation for what He is up to right now. To look to Him, even amidst the change, quite drastic changes that we've all experienced In the last couple of years. Now, sometimes I have a habit of finding the point that I want to make at the end of my sentence and then being like, that was a revelation. Did you hear it? Did you get it? I've heard that my dad does that too. And everyone's like, no. (laughs) So if you don't mind, um, I really believe that God's given me a message to share with you today and I want to get it right. So Would you forgive me if I refer at points to my notes, especially around some of the things that I share today that are a bit more challenging and, um, yeah, tough experiences that we've gone through. If we get through to the next slide, that would be great. Thank you. This is a recent photo of my little family. I'm so looking forward to seeing that handsome man next week. It's been two months that we've been apart. Um, We... We actually left for Nigeria in the middle of 2016, uh, and our kids, Abraham and Nora, or Eleanor, they joined us for the journey. Abe is nearly four, and we just found out this week that, well, he's starting school in September, and we just found out that he was accepted into the, our first preference of school, which we're like, praise God. <laughs> so we're really excited about that. Uh, and Nora, it will be two next month. She was my lockdown baby, born in Nigeria in 2020. The kids came with me uh, and they're here with, well they're here with me, uh, this is, these are my notes that I've been sharing around other churches, but they're here with me and my parents this morning. I just want to say a big thank you to my mum and dad who have made this trip happen because I really wouldn't have been able to do this without them um, supporting us through this time. Um, but if I can wind the clock back just quickly. A few years into our marriage, we'd been living here in Newcastle. I'd been working for Compassion for a few years and John had done a couple of things. He'd been running a business, a social business, and he'd also just finished up a pastoral internship here at New Vine. We had a restlessness in our spirit that we now understand to be God moving us forward. John and I always have had a firm sense that God brought us together as a couple and we both have, each of us, a strong bond to the heritage of faith that our families have sown into our lives. We wanted to pursue God and his call on our lives. Maybe some of you here can relate to this experience. One day we realised that there was never going to be an an optimum or perfect time where the stars aligned (laughs) in order to take that step. Um, And we wanted to be sensitive to God's leading. So we packed our bags and we headed for Nigeria to spend time learning from and volunteering with CFM, Christian Faith Ministries. If we can flick to the next slide, that'd be great. You see, in the years just before this time, Nigeria had reached a point of national crisis. You've probably heard of Boko Haram, a brutal Islamic extremist group. They had been terrorizing the northern regions of the country and instigating widespread local cycles of violence. During this time, 2.7 million people became refugees or internally displaced people as Boko Haram ravaged terror through entire states of Nigeria. And when the dust had settled and the numbers counted, it was found that Boko Haram was directly responsible for, for leaving 55,000 women widowed and for leaving over 52,000 children orphaned. This crisis instigated cycles of despair um, and hopelessness and, and also retaliation for decades. It had a particularly devastating impact effect on the youth and the young people of Nigeria. Liberty, freedom from this terror seems so hard to achieve. It wasn't uncommon at this time for those who had a tribal affinity or allegiance to Islam to kill Christians and for those that came from a tribal allegiance within Christianity to also retaliate in violence. But in the face of such tremendous divisions and huge personal losses, we were so incredibly moved by the actions of Christian Faith Ministries and their staff in putting themselves on the line and at personal risk to protect and to show dignity towards Muslim people in their community, their Muslim neighbours. Looking back, I believe we actually got the call to moved to Nigeria in 2014, a couple of years before we we did move. I have a bit of a creative background and I remember God met me very clearly around this time and gave me the lyrics of a song that I think you guys might be a bit familiar with that I called Lord of Liberty. Um sometimes for me I don't know there might be other creative people here too that find the same thing but sometimes for me songs can be tedious and they can be hard to get right you know getting the lyrics right and then putting them to the music can be a laborious process very rewarding but very tricky and it can take a long time but this time I just have to say it gushed out of me um And I just knew that it was something that God had to say into my spirit at the time. I'm going to throw the lyrics up on the screen now and read it to us as a poem, just to give you a bit of a window into how God was speaking into our hearts at the time. To the broken, you bring wholeness. To the lost, you guide the way. To the prisoner, you give freedom. To the dead, a life remade. To the orphan, you're a father. To the widow, comforts hand. To the sinner, you're a saviour. On the cross of life, we stand. Freedom is here. Freedom has come. The tomb remains open. Jesus, you've won. Freedom is here. We are standing in victory with the King of creation and the Lord of liberty. To the failure, you give chances. To the chained, the captor's key. To the young, you give new visions, and to the old, a newfound dream. We were once caught in the wreckage of a world without hope. Now we stand in faith of things unseen on the grace that you've bestowed. I think this is a good point to to draw back to the scripture um, for today from Luke 8. The passage that we read, that Mum read earlier, is a wonderful witness of Jesus. As the King of creation and the Lord of liberty. I don't think it's by accident that the story of Jesus and the demoniac follows, like immediately follows uh, the story of Jesus rebuking the disciples about their lack of faith in the boat during the storm. First, Jesus calms the waves and the wind, demonstrating that he is the King over creation. He then gets out of the boat. And as we heard, the demons are trembling. And the man is exhausted and he falls on his knees begging Jesus that he wouldn't torture him. And the the demons had driven him into a life of torment and of isolation. But when Jesus shows up, this man who had had so much power and so much terror over others found that he had no power and no terror over Jesus. I wonder what the man was thinking. Was he thinking, oh no, the demons inside of me, they're trembling, I'm done for. Or maybe was he ashamed and expecting that Jesus would rebuke him or punish him for how he came to be in that situation of possession in the first place. But Jesus does none of that. Instead, Jesus asks the man his name and he replies, we are called legion for we are many. Now, in Mark's account of the same story, the legion of demons were cast into about 2,000 pigs, just to give us some concept of, of the magnitude that this man was experiencing. Well, we don't know what the man was thinking, but what we do know is that the king of creation crossed a stormy sea to come and meet with this man and to set him free. First, Jesus calms the storms, he heals the man. And he sets him free. And now the man is restored and he's clothed and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is the King of creation and the Lord of liberty. Maybe as I share this story, it prompts you to think about areas of your life that are lacking freedom. Are you experiencing spiritual, physical or mental weariness or even oppression? Friends? The battle is very, very real, but for you, it's already been won. I can tell you with full experience of my own life and from many, many people that I have met and been inspired by the the faith of, you can walk in freedom. But maybe for others who are here today, you are confronted by a feeling that, a bit like the one that John and I had when he called us to Nigeria, that God is asking you Completely counterintuitively to run towards the areas of brokenness and danger and not away from them. The call from God, inspired by the freedom that he's won for us forevermore on the cross. A freedom in our own spirit that emboldens us to go to the darkest places with faith that that same spirit will bring freedom and healing to a bound up world. Well, be encouraged, friends. I'm here to say also with full confidence that He will not leave you if that's something that He's prompting in your heart. We might throw to the next slide. Thank you. This is John. I'd like to introduce you to someone as well. This is Gabriel. While we served with CFM, we were mentored by a wonderful man, this wonderful man named Gabe and his wife, Tope. Tope was there at the birth of Nora. It was lovely. She's very helpful. (laughs) During one of the really intense conflict periods uh, in the city of Jos, where Christian Faith Ministries headquarters are based in Nigeria, a mob of angry young adult men from the tribally Christian region of the city uh, descended upon a Muslim area in the community. In their anger, their desire for retaliation and their vitriol, they were setting fire to buildings killing people who were wearing Islamic dress and chasing the community out of their homes. A community elder and a barrister by the name of Abdul and his family were one of the families who were fleeing for their lives. Well, Gabriel and his wife Tope offered him a hand of friendship, sanctuary, and at the risk of their own lives, brought this Muslim man and his family in and hid and harboured him, them in their own home. Today, I'm really pleased to tell you that we still work with this barrister, Barrister Abdul, in community peace building. This reality is because of the courage and the actions taken by Gabe and Tope. At another point around this time, another angry mob of young um, um, young adults turned up at the Bible college facilities wanting to burn it to the ground because the property was owned by a Muslim man. Gabe and a team and the team, they talked down the mob and they convinced them not to set light to a building full of impoverished Bible school students and the surrounding houses. They negotiated with them and in a face-saving moment of brilliance, convinced them to just burn one empty building. Today, that building still stands, left as a memorial in ruins, as a reminder of the pain of that time but also the courageous pursuit of God. This is a picture of the building today here on the, on the right. It's not the world's greatest picture, but this is how it is today. Now, when we, you and I, look at the world through our human eyes, it tells us some things. It tells us that we live in a very violent world. Its resources are not shared equally and are not developed to meet basic human needs. Racism and fear still run really deep. Human conflict is resolved by whoever has the biggest stick. When we only look at at our world like this, peace seems impossible, maybe even laughable. But when we fix our eyes on the King of creation, the Lord of Liberty, we don't lose sight of the challenges facing our world, but we are drawn to them with compassion and prayer to see them too set free. If we only look this way, reality gives us no real reason for hope or optimism. It's pretty dark. But if we can lift our eyes and catch a glimpse of what God is doing, We see the face of Jesus, the King of creation, and the Lord of liberty, holding the power to calm the storm and bring freedom to the captive, and to cast 2,000 demons into the sea, and calling us into this beautiful vision of healing and restoring all that's been broken. When we turn on the news and we hear about what's happening in our world today, in Nigeria, in Ukraine, in Afghanistan... The temptation is to feel helpless. But let's remind ourselves, these divisions didn't come out of nowhere, but also their outcome isn't decided. Jesus is still the King of creation and the Lord of liberty, and he's given us, the church, the mission of this work on earth. This is why, as a people set free, who know the freedom That we have been given in Christ and what He has set us free from, I want to draw our attention to the New Testament mandate of reconciliation. Because if we can't get our heads around it and what it means, nobody else in this world will. Can we throw to the next slide, please? Paul in 2 Corinthians wrote, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, And we saw this in the story from today. When Jesus went across the lake to break the power of Satan and sin over this man's life, he set him free and then he sent him back to be reconciled with the people that he'd become estranged from. While we should be very much anchored in, by the reality of the challenges, the real challenges facing our world Friends, we must put our faith in the King of creation and the Lord of liberty. Faith is turning dreams into deeds, not just accepting and accommodating for the way things are, but living as if things can be different and that God is leading us into a new reality of new creation and more just, equitable, and peaceful relationships with others, our neighbours, our enemies, and our world. Abdul, the Muslim barrister that I introduced you to earlier, said of our good friend Gabe and and his wife, when the attackers came, they were looking for Muslims. Our immediate neighbor Gabe and his family seriously protected us. This is a Christian begging a Muslim to come and find safety with them. For the first time, I saw humanity beyond religion. And I think he's right. I think Gabriel and his family are living out of new creation humanity as God intended. And in doing so, the most amazing part of all this is that he is bearing witness to the gospel, the good news, and giving this Muslim man and the the community that this Muslim elder represents a window into the divine and the nature of our God. This is why John and I have given our ministry the name Seek Peace. It's the pursuit of God's vision for restoration and peace, to declare his glory, to walk in the divine, and to let this transform the divides and the challenges facing our world. So this is the spirit that compels us, but how did we get to where we are now? Can we throw to the next slide? A couple of pictures from our time in Nigeria. Well, during the years that we spent on the ground working with CFM, John worked to oversee their approach to mission stations where young. Uh, young, newly trained leaders were supported to go back to their village communities as agents of change with the gospel and encouraged and supported to do that. And he also, John also uh, worked with and oversaw the business and income generating arms of some of CFM's work, such as the tractor projects and the computer centres that we still are very much engaged and partner with CFM in today. On our main site, CFM is home to close to 200 children. And for the first few years, I directed the care homes for vulnerable children and youth who had been among those internally displaced and orphaned through Boko Haram. After I had Abraham and fell pregnant with Nora, I needed to pull back from a lot of the day-to-day oversight, and I focused primarily on caring for my kids, keeping in touch with our supporters and the churches that partner with us, and inspired by the need to better prepare to be in this work for the long term, um, I started my master's in sustainable development uh, when I was pregnant with Nora. We made the bold decision to have Nora in Nigeria, and this decision ended up coinciding with the eruption of COVID. Where we lived, I have to say, the government um, COVID restrictions were incredibly strict in the beginning. uh, And they had a truly devastating impact because they limited people from working, which wasn't necessarily a bad policy to take, but they also didn't have any way to fund those fragile livelihoods. And so people were in incredibly impoverished um, situations where they couldn't feed their families. Um, Without livelihoods, chaos increased and it wasn't uncommon to hear of people close to us who were injured and killed in local fighting and unrest. We decided to have Nora induced when I was about this big um, so that we could just camp at the hospital uh, and make sure that we didn't get into trouble on the roads when she was due. Um, People were... The the poverty then in 2020 was, was just so deep, and it was so acute, and you could feel it. You could, you could feel it in the city. It was a palpable feeling. Looting was on the rise. The threats of kidnapping also increased quite extremely at this point. When Nora was only three weeks old, the CFM facilities that we lived on were attacked by armed robbers. Two security guards were injured, and one man was sh- shot and killed that night. We lay again, in the middle of the, the living room floor uh, on mattresses with the lights off in the middle of Gabe, Gabe and Tope's home, um, about probably 50 or 60 metres from where this was happening, um, for most of the night with the lights off, um, just trying to keep our babies quiet, Nora and Abby, for their safety, but also for the safety of about 30 other people who were huddled with us in that room. We faced a really tough decision then at that point. We became a lot more conscious of the vulnerable position that our kids were in, um, us, but also we did begin to question whether or not we were putting other people um, at risk in an already very volatile, um, volatile situation as very visible Westerners. Uh, we we wondered and we prayed, we deeply prayed about whether or not we were adding complications to an already very volatile situation. And Australia, our home, wasn't an option for us. The borders were closed and we had to decide whether to stay in Nigeria at that time or whether to take a step back and to seek some clarity from God about our next steps. We wrestled big times, probably the biggest wrestle that we've had to date in our life about what the right decision was for us and our family And we came to the conclusion that it would be by faith that we stayed in Nigeria or it would be by faith that we would step away for a time and try and set our family up in a way that would allow us to be involved in the long haul for this kind of missions work in highly volatile conflict settings of missions. Well, we're so pleased that we took that step. We ended up making the decision to try and establish a base out of the UK because we thought that it's close proximity to West Africa and the same time zone would be advantageous for regular travel and for remote working with our missions partners. And to our great surprise, one of the very few positives to come out of COVID was that overnight video conferencing and remote working became really normal and the technology really accessible, and that's worldwide for our partners in Nigeria too. This has been a game changer for us, and also incredibly positive um, in the approach that we believe that God is asking us to take in our ministry. It means that we can keep active and support local leaders, but being a less visible voice in local ministry leadership uh, and working with specific strategic leaders to support them, mentor them, consult with them in a way that helps us not to kind of like take decision-making power that we really shouldn't and allow them to step up and to lead in the capacities that they have way more experience and way more credibility to actually lead in, which we just think is um, you know, a, a wonderful way of building partnership uh, long-term. During this time, we began to see that God was enlarging our vision for the work that He's been drawing us into in the long term to support and partner with Christian missions in some of the world's most conflicted regions and contexts, and to multiply the impact of this work by equipping local ministries with knowledge and expertise drawn from others in similarly conflicted missions contexts. We used 2021 to build up more knowledge through master's study and to support the firsthand experiences that we've had had in Nigeria. I'm a few, well, a couple of months away from graduating my master's in sustainable development, and John is in his final semester of a master's in peace building and reconciliation. God has put a burden on our heart for gospel-centered transformations of peace. We believe that this is a lifelong endeavor and pursuit. John, if for those of you who don't know him, many of you who do will, will relate and probably nod when I say this, but he is incredibly focused on details and around specific projects. We joke that he's our specialist. <laughs> he's at his best when he's freed up to focus on really difficult issues and to work them through thoroughly. John focuses on the detailed work with our mission's partners. And through research and teamwork, he works with them to evaluate and to create better, more sustainable ministry frameworks and ways forward for the vital kingdom things that God has asked these ministries to achieve. And I guess I'm probably a bit more more big picture and, and administrative, and I thrive on keeping lots of moving parts going together at once around that big picture. In our day-to-day now, I focus on the management side of our ministry, on trying to set us up as a charity in the UK and to link that here in Australia to a ministry framework, relationship building and communicating with our supporters, and the broader issues that are connected to our vision for Seek Peace and the pursuit of justice and advocacy. John and I love working together on this. Can we throw to the next one? Thank you. While we don't see ourselves living in England in the long term, by God's providence, he's opened up some miraculous doors for us in the UK. We have discovered that being close to London has also become useful for us in discovering and building relationships with other ministries working in grassroots missions in tough regions of unrest and violence. These ministries, we've come to learn, are often under-resourced and ill-equipped To think, because their capacity is already so stretched, to think about their missional approach to conflict. What the gospel, what Christian theology should inform about how we respond to conflict as Christians. Doing what we could, John took up what we might call a modern day tent making role in a London charity. He worked and he studied alongside our Seek Peace Dream in the strange COVID pandemic times. And again, by God's great providence, uh, John's current employer has, has really facilitated him growing his skills in impact managing, charity impact managing and in research. And they see that we are missionaries at heart and that God has led us into a lifelong ministry of this type of work and they have agreed that he would gradually step back his work with them um, and he's going down to like part-time work with them as like pretty much from now which is wonderful now that travel is back on the table now that we can get back into regular travel with our missions partners and it's just wonderful to see that God is honoring him and his work in that time um, and to also keep in touch with our missions partners through video conferencing We've also had a wonderful response to the skills and the support that we can bring to grassroots ministries in conflict settings. Most often, the types of skills that we're trained in um, and these types of skills are contracted through big um, agencies like the UN or large NGOs that have the capacity and the budget. Um, And they often also take a very secular approach to uh, conflict transformation. But small grassroots ministries and NGOs don't get a look in, and no one, or very few people are taking the secular knowledge and also taking Christian theology and the world and worldview and missions and finding that sweet spot. And the irony of that is that these Christian missions are working in some, with some of the most vulnerable people and some of the most overlooked groups, and they're doing something that doesn't just have temporal significance, but has eternal kingdom value, we can help them, we can partner with them, and we can make a real difference. If you want more details about our missional approach, you can pick up one of these flyers at the end. That'll give you more of an idea of how we go about our work. Can we throw to the next slide? Thank you. Some of you may already know about the first project that we partnered with, CFM's Computer Centres. This is Zaradine and one of the recent groups that have come through. The first of the centres began in 2014 after the citywide attacks that were happening in Joss. Barrister Abdul was one of the key relationships that helped CFM, a Christian Bible college, build a relationship of trust with local Muslim elders the committee that they formed decided that they needed to give their young adults and their youth hope, and a computer training centre seemed to offer young people in the region a useful skill and the possibility for future employment. Well, CFM originally wanted to set these centres up just as a gift to the Muslim regions of of the community. But after thinking and deliberating on this, the Muslim elders actually came back to the committee and they said, no, we don't want it to just be for our young people. We want it to be for both. We want it to be for Christian youth and Muslim youth because if we can't come together and our young people can't start to build relationship and build bridges, there's no hope for peace. And we just think that that is so remarkable that God... And God's plan and purposes for bringing and restoring relationships can happen through inspiring the hearts of Muslim elders. And so what we've we've started now, and it's a beautiful policy direction, but we bring in 50% youth from the Muslim part of town, and we bring in 50% youth from the Christian part of town. And the committee of elders is made up, again, of a shared demographic, giving these young people... Something for the future, but also something really tangible that they can take away about the nature of the God we serve and what inspires us. This year, we're also in early discussions about working with a couple of new missions partners. The first is in Ghana with a group called CHIPS. John's about to go on a trip, like a scoping trip, out to Ghana, probably at the end of June. So if you could keep him in your prayers, that would be wonderful. And there's also another organization that we're in very early discussions about working with in the future in Nigeria. Um, we've also been able to establish a, a key relationship with a really supportive UK church who've agreed to house a lot of the operation, our operations for Seek Peace and to help us multiply and grow our presence in the UK. Through this church, we have a solid base of experience and people championing us to move forward and push forward with what God is leading us into with Seek Peace. One man in particular, he's right at the end of his, he's about to retire. He's been a one of the managing directors um, and partners of a London-based accountancy firm. And he's been asking God what, he, what God would want him to do with his retirement. And he has agreed. I, I asked him, I said, please, you could help me in setting up us as a UK charity. That would be so helpful if you could just mentor me. And so he's agreed that he will start to help us with facilitating some of those things and to mentor and support us in doing that. So that's just a real answer to prayer for us and where God is where we're up to in our development of Seek Peace. Let's throw to the, the next one. Thanks. This year, as we finish up, this year we are praying for thirty new supporters who will support us on a monthly basis as prayer partners and as final and as financial supporters. So far this year, we've had eighteen confirmed new partners. So that's a real. Um, we're really praying and thanking God for that. Um, we've been asking people. Some of you might see on every third or fourth chair around the place. Um, we've been asking people to consider a $65 a month commitment to supporting us. This will help us. That's a nominal figure. That's just to give you an indication of the need that we have to grow Seek Peace into the next phase of our growth as a ministry and it will help us to grow Seek Peace, to facilitate new partnerships and also new missions partnerships, and to release our time and the time of others to build this. Some of the support will go directly to supporting us as the Hodge family, but a good portion of it gets allocated to the vital grassroots projects that we support, such as the computer centers, Uh, and it's really bringing a lot of change to people's lives. If you'd like to become one of our partners or you'd like to know more, um, there's at the bottom there's some details for how you can go about doing that uh, and there's also a link to our website if that's better for you. Um, but also I'd really like to point your attention to the sign up, the email sign up form. We send semi-regular emails out um, about once a month and if you would like to pray with us and become a prayer partner and to stand with us in faith for the, the the challenging area of missions that God is leading us into and that we can share on behalf of our partners, that would be a great first point. (laughs) So please, there's a sign up at the back if you'd like to know more. Can we flick to the final slide? Thank you. It's so wonderful, and as, as wonderful as it is to share with you about how you can support us and also to thank you for how you are supporting us as a church through Glocal. More important for me today and for me now as this message draws to a close, is to enter into a time of contemplation, giving you the opportunity to do some business with the Lord. I just wanna leave us with some final thoughts. Nations are ripped apart by wars. Communities are pulled apart by religious and racial intolerances. Families are split apart by misunderstandings and pride. The same is true of friendships, of businesses, and even of churches. Marriages crumble through miscommunication and resentment that goes unresolved. Friends, as we finish and prepare our hearts for maybe the things that God wants to speak into our own heart today, I'd like us to think about where we have need for reconciliation in our own relationships. Where are those hostilities spurred on by fears, by anxieties, sorrow, hopelessness, doubt, resentment, or hatred, holding you captive and isolated and divided in yourself or with others? The world needs now more than ever the church to respond to the deep divisions and the conflicts facing our world. A people who turn the other cheek, not slap the other's cheek. Skilled and ready to lead in this call, this mandate of reconciliation. Conflict will continue to be done violently and unjustly. But you and I we have the opportunity to be a window into the divine, pulling the kingdom of heaven into earth. Now's the time, church. And I know, I know there's some of you here today and you're crying out for more of God's abundance, his presence and his blessing in your life. You want to serve him and you want your life to be an offering. Well, Jesus commanded us in Matthew 5, To leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Friends, if we want more of God's presence and we want to bear witness to his glory in the earth, then we need to embrace this divine calling to walk in reconciliation, peace, and shalom. Can I invite us to close our eyes, church, if that's okay. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Can I ask you quietly before God to identify one area of hostility, a broken relationship in need of reconciliation and ask you to bring it before God, the God of reconciliation, this morning. I'm going to ask Dad, invite Dad to come up and lead us in a prayer as we close.
1: Thanks. I'll just uh, leave you with your thoughts for 30 seconds to identify that that God would call you to uh, pray into this morning. Lord, our personal lives can be pretty messy. Lord, um, people agitate us. They say things that uh, hurt our heart. We find ourselves likewise retaliating. Uh, our actions are often less than honourable. Way less than sort of charitable or kind. Lord, we firstly, upon reflection, we ask your forgiveness uh, in our lives, Lord, for those times where we have acted out of our own pride, out of our own self-survival, Lord, out of our need to try and defend ourselves. Lord, we apologise. We just we don't, we don't we no longer want to live that way lord we, um, we we want to we want to live with a sense of your presence and your peace in our lives lord we acknowledge that it's it's often the people that we love the most that we say the harshest things to or we we act in a way that's selfish or unkind and again we apologize for this lord we take seriously the words that Kay has read to us today from the bible that you have You have called us to a ministry of reconciliation. Lord, as you've put some people on our heart this morning, we pray for them. We pray your blessing upon them. Lord, for our enemies. Lord, those that oppose us, those that cause us pain. Lord, we ask for your hand of blessing upon them. We ask for you to pour out your love and your grace upon them. And Lord, we ask that we too would be able to act and think differently, to speak differently to these people. Lord, we ask that you would build into us a ministry of reconciliation to those that our lives... uh, Running, running pretty wobbly with. Lord, we also ask that you'd continue to use us to share the good news of Jesus with those that we don't know. Lord, that don't know you and be able to participate in this incredible idea of bringing heaven to earth. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for being a model to us. Thank you for showing us how. But Lord, thank you also that you promise to empower us in these things. Lord, we ask that as we walk from here today, we would walk with the ministry of reconciliation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.